Chelsea Fairless and welcome to a very special episode of every outfit on my motherboard myself yeah we love this episode so it was a natural choice it's your favorite right I think so I mean it's not it's maybe not the best outfit episode but I think just storytelling wise it is the strongest yeah I'm also excited for this episode because we finally have the opportunity to drink the wine that Sarah Jessica Parker sent us that she, you know, packaged herself. herself wrote that note to us. Yeah, she went to FedEx and dropped it off personally. And now we're drinking it. It's amazing. So thanks, Sarah. Thanks, SJP. So what's your favorite? We, we have a rosé and we have a Sav Blanc. We have a Sav Blanc. <laughs> That's what all the cool kids are calling it. You know, we're we're in the dog days of summer. Who doesn't love a rosé? Yeah. What about you? The rosé's good. Do you think this is the rosé that Andy Cohen drinks? I think so. Andy Cohen and SJP definitely drink this rosé together in the summertime. In the Hamptons, in their Hamptons homes, yeah. Also, I love the detail that, so the In Vivo X SJP wine has a an X on the bottle, a, like a brush stroke X, which was apparently done by SJP herself. X marks the spot, baby. Who knew she was, in addition to being like a, an award-winning actress, she's a abstract expressionist artist and winemaker. And winemaker. <laughs> she's only an abstract artist when it comes to winemaking. Yeah, I love it. It's nice when people send us stuff. Like, it makes me feel like I've done something. It makes me feel like worthy as a person. We'll put our P.O. box in the... <laughs> We'll put and, our P.O. box in the in the show notes, and if anyone just wants to send us some gifts, um, we'll be down to talk about it on the pod. Uh-oh, we're starting a dangerous <laughs> precedent, but whatever. Anyway. So this episode, so what happened in the episode before my mother bored myself? So we are in season four. This is episode eight. So the previous episode is the whole Aiden, you have to forgive me speech. Aiden and Carrie are freshly back together. It's also the episode where Miranda threw her neck out and Carrie gave her the bullshit bagels. Okay. Charlotte quits her job and wants Miranda to know that she chose her choice. Mm-hmm. Or she chooses her choice. And then it's also the episode where Samantha wears the major pink Ungaro suit. Okay, cool. They don't really give Samantha a storyline in the previous episode. And then in this episode, my motherboard myself, Samantha gets a proper storyline. And a surprisingly emotional storyline at that, which doesn't happen for her that often. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that. So the episode begins with the girls having a picnic at Bryant Park, which is where Carrie would later beat Mr. Big with her wedding bouquet. You can see their wedding venue, the New York Public Library, in the background of this scene. Little did she know. Carrie's wearing like a very iconic outfit. There isn't a lot of fashion in this episode, but there definitely is in this scene. She's wearing a knit romper, which has a bit of a trompe l'oeil effect. Like for my entire life, I thought it was hot pants and a tube top, but it's not. It's an optical illusion of a romper. And then she has a long Prada coat over it. And of course is accessorizing with a newsboy hat because it's season four. Yeah, what do you think was going on with Patricia Field during the year 2001 where she was like, it's all about a newsboy cap? 
She just loves that shit. Well, she wears them a lot like in her own day-to-day life. So I think that's just something that bled over into the character. But actually, I think the chicest accessories that Carrie is wearing aren't accessories at all. It's the bouquet of flowers and the baguette under her arm. Another baguette. (laughs) Talked about this on a previous podcast. The baguettes. Whether it is bread or uh, earrings (laughs) or a bag. Baguettes follow sex in the city everywhere. But no faggot pun in this particular episode, unfortunately. Um, Because Stanford wasn't invited to brunch. Yeah, Stanford wasn't there, so it couldn't happen. I've always wondered about this line when they say, remember when the economy was good and we had a table? Like, it's a very good line, but was there a recession going on in 2001? Yeah, what the fuck are these bitches complaining about? Also, have you ever needed more than two keys to get into an apartment? Carrie drops (laughs) her keys as they're having lunch, and she's like, oh, these are the seven keys I need to get into Ada's apartment. Yeah, but it's on like a giant old-timey ring. You know, it reminded me of the security guard on the Titanic who like chains Leonardo DiCaprio to that pipe in the basement. Right. Yeah, it's it's very funny. That in tandem with the page boy hat is just gives the whole thing a very like Oliver Twist quality. <laughs> but what are all the keys for? Because they show two episodes before he lives in a West Village townhouse of some sort. Yeah, I don't know. And yeah, the other girls, I mean, Miranda looks pretty normal. She's in her like normal corporate attire. Samantha is wearing a purple leather skirt suit, which feels like it's from another time period, frankly. I mean, it's a Scotta, so. Yeah. I don't think that Samantha like ever got over that 80s Escada Mugler look like that's just who she is well you've named the two designers she wears in this episode and Charlotte with that Orla Keeley bucket hat and the sandwiches yeah it's a bit like I can't tell if she looks like Harony or like a five-year-old girl I feel like the Venn diagram of those two aesthetics is there's there's some overlap the Orla Kylie bucket hat is in the middle of that Venn diagram and then also something that gave me unrealistic expectations of living in New York. I thought there would be men everywhere selling a thousand and one sexual positions that I could buy for a dollar fifty. There were. Where? Lauren, okay. So so this is a thing that I don't know when this stopped happening, but there used to be a guy that was permanently camped out in front of the MoMA design store on Spring Street that sold these. Really? Yeah, I've fully bought it from him before. It's just like something you do or something that tourists in Soho just did. You you know, it was like a dollar or something. I wish I still had it. I know, you're a pack rat. You (laughs) save everything and that's the one thing you didn't save? Unfortunately, no. So what else? Uh, Then I guess after the picnic, Carrie goes back to her apartment and Aiden is there. Defiling her kitchen. I've never noticed this before, but... When Carrie first walks through the door, you can see her magazine collection. Yeah. It's very, very well organized. And I I respect that because if you're like me and Carrie and you're that I'm getting Vogue instead of dinner, bitch, you end up just having a lot of magazines that require storage in your tiny New York apartment. And she did a very good job. 
Where did they go though? Well, also like I, I was like scanning the spines because I'm like, what magazines does she have? And like most of them were pretty unclear, but I did see that like me, she also collects the very major 90s interiors magazine Nest, which you can see from its distinctive yellow spine. This is the nerdiest you've ever sounded on the podcast. How is it that I'm like the cool one? I'm like fucking nerd. Well, this is where my nerd shit comes in. It's magazines. It is unfortunate that we never got a scene of Carrie at Casa magazine, the iconic (laughs) and maybe only existing magazine store still in New York. Well, also, there was a really major magazine store that was actually on the south side of Bryant Park. I don't know if that's still there, but that was one of the best in the city. Oh, and just a, just a stone's throw away from her picnic. And at Avenue A in a bodega always had a ma- pretty major magazine store. Yeah, I also really miss like back in the days where the when those magazine vendors would like set up in the West Village on like 6th Avenue, I think, and sell like old back issues on card tables. Do you remember this? That or like Quentin Tarantino script. <laughs> those two guys kind of were hand oh, in yeah. hand with and each what, other. Let me guess, you bought like Batman Returns scripts on card tables. Tables in Union Square. No. What did you buy? You you had to buy at least one. It was a Girl Interrupted script (laughs) that I still have. I love that. Guys, obviously we're doing everything in our power to not discuss Aiden dancing to Barry Manilow. (laughs) I know. That was shocking. The show has never had great musical cues. If I have, if it has one, you know, it can't be perfect in everything. No, I think actually the music in Sex in the City was kind of an area where the ball was dropped. I like that they did have a lot of disco on the show, and I think that really worked. But there weren't really any. There wasn't much cool music from the time period that made it onto this show. Do you ever have lines of dialogue that are stuck in your head that have no context and you just say them and no one knows what you're talking yes, about? Yes, fully. Okay, because mine is fuck the fajitas. So I was very happy to hear Aiden <laughs> utter the line, fuck the fajitas. Well, one thing I wondered is before he started cooking, was he aware that Carrie stores shoes in her <laughs> oven? <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a deleted scene before she starts writing the next morning is just melted Manolo Blahniks into chicken. But one thing I liked about this scene of Carrie and Aiden in the apartment is that he intrudes upon her I couldn't help but wonder voiceover. If giving the man the keys to your apartment means unlocking the door to home cooking and great sex, why were so, so many independent, independent women? No, 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 don't, 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 don't. It's not done yet. Don't read it. I guess it partially answers our question that they are aware of her column and the voiceover is at least partially what is in the column itself. Right. No, the voiceover is the column. Yeah, I have questions about that towards the end of the episode, but I'll wait. Also, like, Carrie's wearing overalls in this scene that look very, like, Oshkosh Bagosh aesthetic. Is this a reference that goes over your head? No, Oshkosh Bagosh. Yeah, that's right. No, I, I, <laughs> that's a known brand. I'm sorry. My mind always goes to that Brady Bunch film where they have the whole bit where it's like, where are your jeans from? And she's like, guess. And she's like, oh, I don't know. Oshkosh Bagosh. <laughs> Does Gen Z know what Oshkosh Bagosh is? Or do we just sound like we're talking gibberish? Is it Bagosh or Magosh? I think it's B apostrophe. Hold on. Well, now they're just Oshkosh. 
I think that was uh, that was wise of them to uh, oh, you're right. to streamline it's the ba- name. It's Bagosh. I guess they couldn't get OshkoshBagosh.com, <laughs> so they just went with Oshkosh. Except for these overalls, like fully aren't Oshkosh. I don't know what they are, but it's like it's that styling, it's that vibe, it's a shrunken fit. Let's just say. Yeah, I've previously done a post, and I do have a side theory that Sex in the City might be a thirteen going on thirty situation where Carrie is actually a thirteen year old trapped in a thirty something year old's body which would explain a lot of things i think it would explain a lot of the fashion a yeah, lot like the, the cookie monster baby tees <laughs> i think that's the post that i first posited that theory uh it would also explain her juvenile sexual beliefs right so carrie's computer dies quite tragically she wraps it in a pashmina like it's a dead cat or something and hauls it to the Flatiron District to tech serve, rest in power. The iconic tech serve. What's funny is I don't think I backed up anything on my computer until I got to college and got a G drive from tech serve. Yeah. Like I think that's where I bought like a zip drive for the first time. Oh boy. <laughs> it was a requirement. I had a class when I was a freshman in college and it was on the list of required materials. Like I had to have like a zip disk to store my work on. I think I was more stunned that, that we were still using floppy disks in the early 2000s. Yeah, it is jarring to see it now. Anyway, they go to TechServe. The guy is like, yeah, we'll see if we can recover any of your shit. And why didn't you back up? And I don't know if you missed this, but Eden, of course, is a PC user. But that's a red flag. Not so much in the year 2000, but... Also, to be fair, this is like a pre-iCloud time. Backing up used to be way more annoying than it is now. Every time you backed up, you were like kind of scared that you would like wipe your entire computer. Or was that just me? I don't know. So Chelsea, do you think there was a payphone in a tech serve in the year 2000? Because this is a detail I didn't notice until now that Carrie, after receiving this horrible news, is on a payphone still in tech serve talking to Miranda. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if there was because as beloved as it was by New Yorkers, it also did kind of have the vibe of an emergency room or something. Because everyone's there for that reason only. Their computers died, they didn't back up, and now they're freaking the fuck out that they've lost their life's work. So like an ER, you need... To call your your emergency contact? Exactly. And of course, for Carrie, that is Miranda. Who unfortunately is in... Where the fuck is she? She's in Philadelphia. So was she raised in Philadelphia? Uh, So funny you ask that, because I have my Sex in the City pink book here with me. And by the pink book, I like how we... We refer to this book like it's the White Album or some shit. But we're really talking about Sex in the City, Kiss and Tell, which has a beautiful pink mock croc cover. And so every episode description is accompanied by a quote. And this one is from Michael Patrick King. When Miranda's mother died, spoiler alert, Miranda's mother died. That's why she's in Philadelphia. We got into a huge discussion about Miranda's economic background. Everyone in the writer room had a different feeling. I come from a lower middle class, working class, Irish Catholic family. And I imagine Miranda's mother to be my mother and Miranda to be the smartest, the one who got out. We decided to make Miranda from a specific mainline Philly family, but we didn't acknowledge the father. It's almost pathological, the Sex and the City writing team never wanting to feature the family. They 
featured the least amount of family possible. It's obviously like a deliberate choice, though. Like the the friend group is the makeshift nuclear family, right? Sure, but even in this, it's like they never show the mom. They don't show the father. There's a brother that's spoken about that's never seen. It's only her sister who appears in the scene. And did you clock who Miranda's sister is? Did I clock Becky Ann Baker? Yes, I did. Iconic character actor. And oddly enough, Lena Dunham's mother in Girls... Yes, that's how probably most people would know her, but she has a kind of blink and you would miss it. She's an iconic character actor, and she's also iconic because she's married to Dylan Baker, who we of course love because he's the star of Happiness. Your favorite date film, your go-to <laughs> recommendation for a date film, the film Happiness. It's brilliant. It is, but it's for a very specific person. And my favorite thing is Chelsea once recommended it as a date film to a fellow cinephile Not friend. a date film, but just like this is a good movie, but... I don't really believe in trigger warnings, but I think maybe a film like this might require a trigger warning. Like, I don't maybe think you should recommend it to everyone because of just the dark and depraved themes of this film. Yeah, I feel like the only person who could handle this uh, film as a film recommendation of the Sex and the City cast would be Anthony Marantino. <laughs> totally. Loves it. <laughs> anyway. He gets the dark, twisted humor. This is a real fucking Carrie moment. She goes on and on about her computer. And then Miranda finally has to be like, oh, I'm in Philadelphia. To which Carrie's initial response is, how could you go to Philadelphia without telling me? Instead of being like, are you okay? Is everything all right? And it's because Miranda's mother has had a heart attack. And then the next day she dies, right? Well, yes, there is a scene in between that I did want to get into, which is uh, Samantha does wrestle cosplay in her apartment. Right, right. With the most Chris Maloney looking, not Chris Maloney actor. <laughs> totally, you're right. I mean, this is very much Samantha's type. He's he's definitely in the Venn diagram next to like the firefighter from Staten Island. And yeah, in the previous episode, her so her storyline in the previous episode is with a very similar looking guy who steals her cab and tells her her pubic hair is too long. Like that is Samantha's storyline, the previous episode. <laughs> No wonder Kim Cattrall (laughs) refuses to be involved in and just like that. How many, like, at what age could I stop doing these dehumanizing things for laughs? Like, not to be confused with dance monkey dance. Yeah. Show me your clown colored. Your Merkin. Yeah, show me your Merkin. Yeah, not to be confused within season six when her pubic hair starts going gray and she dyes it and she has to show that I'm Bozo the Bush. And she's got Uh, that insane uh, Merkin. Anyway, what I did want to briefly discuss is how have we never had a discourse that Samantha lives in a studio apartment and there's nothing in it? Because in this scene, she's moved her bed to put a uh, wrestling pad down, like one of those mat pad downs to wrestle. And I was like, oh, there's nothing in her apartment. Like, does she have a second apartment that's like a closet, a bookshelf, anything? Yeah, I don't I, I get the sense that she's not home that much. That's true. So yeah, she's having weird wrestling role play sex. I mean, I guess that is like a whole genre of porn, right? Like people that wrestle. Not that you watch it. (laughs) I don't actually. I just know that it exists. Are you trying to posit that it's a lesbian centric subgenre? No, no, I'm not. I'm just, I think it's more straight if anything, right? There, there was, don't ask me how I know this, a channel called Naked Combat, where, like, (laughs) so this is gay male stuff, I assume. Yeah. Love that. And the loser gets fucked. (laughs) 
we'll put a we'll put a link to that in the show notes. I think Pornhub purged it when they had to purge all that stuff. Um, Again, we're delaying. The but f- you saved it on your phone, and now now Apple's gonna <laughs> scan it and <laughs> report you to the authorities. Uh, anyway, Miranda's mother died. <laughs> Miranda's mother died of the. That's heart a rough way to wake up for Carrie. I just have to say, rougher for Miranda to have your mother die alone in the hospital when no one's around. But Carrie also woken up at six a.m. to the call. I was trying to think back of like what is the moment that you can say definitively, oh, Miranda and Carrie are probably the closest, and I think it starts in this season. Well, they're definitely the closest. Can you imagine what would happen if Samantha and Charlotte hung out by themselves? Oh, honey, I'll send you my vibrator. <laughs> I would have actually, if I was a writer on the show, I would have had that been a plot line. Like, they tried to hang out by themselves, and it was so fucking awkward. That they needed Miranda? <laughs> yeah. So this is when my heart starts to break. I actually did cry while watching this episode more than once. As you know, I barely cry. But if you don't cry during this episode, you're not a human being. The one time I've seen Lauren cry was when she (laughs) bought like 10,000 bodysuits from where? Express. Express. And she was like, look, I bought like 5,000 bodysuits for $50. And I'm like, why did you do this, Lauren? And then she started crying. (laughs) I think it was like two bodysuits. And I teared up. It was Black Friday, (laughs) to be fair. And they were black bodysuits. Where are they now? In a landfill, I'm sure. (laughs) See, exactly. I felt bad. I was like, oh my God. I don't know what I just triggered with this, but... I'm like Samantha in the diner. Like, something happens to (laughs) Samantha when she's told that Miranda's mother dies. Yeah. I wonder if Kim Cattrall, because she is a consummate actor, and that's not sarcasm, even though my voice is very monotone, but... I wonder if in Kim Cattrall's mind, she built a backstory for Samantha that Samantha lost her mother. Because I don't know why she has such a deep reaction to that. I think it's because Samantha is someone that is not vulnerable, is not emotional. She can't even be vulnerable in front of her boyfriends, really. But I think because Miranda is basically her family, it touches a nerve. Even though she never met this woman. Yeah, and I think it's I think the fact that she was was ultimately able to cry and be vulnerable in front of Miranda was kind of her gift to her, her way of saying that she loved her in a weird way, right? Spoiler alert. Anyway, we'll get to that, but what is your death personality? Because Charlotte becomes the Martha Stewart of death and I think I'm definitely <laughs> That's you. Charlotte. That's you. I'm definitely not that. Are you immediately fucking or are you shutting your significant other out? Those are the two others. Samantha's fucking. Uh, I guess you could be Miranda and just have to buy a shitty black dress that you'll never wear again. I guess that's also an option. I think I'm closer to Carrie. Not that I'm necessarily picking fights with my partner because my friend's mom dies. But I do think that sort of Carrie's gift to Miranda is being the one that's kind of like the most present, right? Because Samantha's off masturbating all day. Charlotte is sending notes to the florist, which 
I understand it. I mean, having to micromanage regional florists is like a legitimately difficult task. But yeah, that would be you, wouldn't it? But that could also be me, though. If I was put in charge of the flowers, then that would be me sending through like the references, the no flowers, the yes flowers. Like, oh, yeah. Putting together the deck in Google Sheets. Honestly, I think that's what it would be is you would put together the visual deck if anyone wants an insight of like <laughs> how our professional dynamic works. And then I would be doing the logistics. Yeah, you would be the one like yelling at the random regional florist for not following the deck. <laughs> and and then you would be like, it's OK. And I'm like, they don't have this flower. They don't have a what, what do you love? Anthuriums? What are they called? Yeah, I don't know if that's uh, the most vaginal flower is like the best choice for a funeral, though. I know, but you'd be like, it's fine. And then I'd be like, oh, they don't have the this flower you want. And you're like, fuck that. You got to get <laughs> that. that yeah, that would be my breaking point. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the next thing is Samantha loses her orgasm. Right. She can't come. Her normal like sex addiction shit just doesn't work for her. This is like one of the best delivered reversals I've ever seen, which is Charlotte being like, oh, I read this article about a woman who could like come all over the place. And then one day she couldn't. It's as if she ran out of orgasms. Well, also, I like how she's delivering this line as if she's like a 10 year old who is like roasting s'mores and telling uh, scary scary stories. stories to their campmates. I mean, it does raise an interesting question. Do you think we are prescribed a certain amount of orgasms in our lifetime and we can run out of them? No. (laughs) Okay, also, I want to know. So in this scene, Samantha says, I always come, right? To which Charlotte and Carrie are like, look at her like she's some sort of sideshow freak. So I guess this is the ask a straight person portion of, of the podcast. Like, is that considered normal? No, but also most television shows and movies are obsessed with the idea that women instantly orgasm as soon as a penis is inside of them. And like the majority of female, I guess, heterosexual orgasms come from clitoral stimulation. Right. Hi, welcome to Loveline with (laughs) Chelsea and Lauren. So, I mean, that was also a rude awakening having watched like adult themed films and TV shows my entire life was like, oh... It doesn't work how I saw it in the Well, in it's Sex also fucked up because this is the lie that Sex in the City is selling us, right? Yeah. That, like, all sex is fabulous. Everyone should just throw on a fabulous little Calvin Klein slip dress and some Manolos and go out and get fucked, and it's fabulous. But all this time, Carrie wasn't even having orgasms every time? Like, what's that? What's that about? <laughs> well, it also, Sex in the City, it set many dangerous precedents between ideas of real estate, but also the fact that you could just, like, meet someone instantly at the bank or coffee and be on a date with them that evening. Yeah. I mean, it does happen to people, but... Not us. <laughs> Not us. No. All right. Um, and then the next scene is Miranda in the dressing room. I don't... Don't even talk about I'm going to start crying again. You should, Chelsea is tearing up. This... It really, it really, really gets me. So Miranda's going shopping for what she describes as a shitty black dress because she didn't bring a black dress to Philadelphia because she didn't anticipate her mother dying. But apparently she also needs a bra. 
even to though, go underneath the dress. Even though she believes her entire life she's been a 36A, she was wrong, according to a very pushy, overly chatty sales associate who proves to Miranda that she has been buying the wrong bras for her entire life. And then when Miranda is trying on the bras, she sort of barges into the dressing room. I'm pretty sure this would be a Me Too thing in today's world. Which, have you ever had an overly pushy sales associate? Oh, a thousand percent. I have. And they fully do grope you. They grope you before they even ask if they can take your measurements. You know, they just like put their hands on your tits and you're like, oh, you're about a this, you know. They're Isaac Mizrahi to Scarlett Johansson at that Golden Globes at one time. Exactly. I started to tear up at the realization that Miranda has in the Carrie voiceover that she's never going to have a fight with her mom again. Yeah. Because that would make me sad. I love fighting with Kathy. I'm kidding, Mom. We don't fight anymore. It's fine. Well, we should also mention that Lucille, the retail associate, is played by Mary Pat Gleason, who's another fabulous character actor who actually died last year, not of COVID, of cancer, but she was major in this too. Miranda's emotional temperament in that scene is my emotional temperament, which is like to get mad first and then feel like very emotional and terrible and guilty about it. Totally. Those are my two emotional states. Well, yeah, we should also mention that like Cynthia Nixon is a very fabulous actress throughout this series, but this episode really is just a stunning performance. It's nuanced and moving and beautiful. And this must have been the episode that they like submitted to the Emmys, right? There's no way that it wasn't. I I do wonder when they were breaking the story for this season, if they came up with Miranda's mother dying first, or they knew they were going to get Miranda pregnant with Steve's child, and they kind of reverse engineered these big moments for her to have in this season. Right. And then Aiden gets Carrie an iBook. Not just any iBook, like the iconic teal clamshell one that had a cute little handle that was like the biggest deal at the time. So I've always felt that Carrie has always treated Aiden the way that Big treated her. Mm-hmm. Like it somehow yeah, kept him at arm's length. Yeah, somehow with him, she's allergic to emotional availability. Right. Because I can guarantee you if Big bought her that laptop, she would not put up a fight. Yeah, you're right. She's upset with this gift, which he also gave her a zip drive, by the way. I feel like we should mention that. She's upset because she's still holding out hope that the data on her old... I love how you just (laughs) poured more. Did that pick up on the audio? definitely on the audio. Sorry, guys. We're drinking. Uh, Yeah, you're going for seconds of the rosé. I think I'm going to go for... Some Sav Blanc. Sir Jessica Parker has given us so much, you know? And you're not usually a Sauvignon Blanc person. I think it's just because Rosé, I kind of OD'd on that early in the pandemic. Right. And so now it's a little harder for me, not because there's anything wrong with it, but just because, you know, those were dark times. Anyway, you were saying that Carrie was, you know, hasn't lost out hope yet. Right. She still, she still believes that there's a possibility that some of her shit could be recovered. She's not ready to close the door on that chapter of her. Close the laptop. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I looked up what the introductory price of the iBook G3 clamshell was. Uh Uh-huh. And it was $15.99, which would be the equivalent of $2,484 in 2020. Wow. Furniture design really pays, you know? Do you think this is too much of a gift for him to give her? Like, do you think she's in the right to be like, this is too much? Which is not the reason she's rejecting it. No, I I mean, it's 
I think like it's hard to make money in any creative profession. So I applaud Aiden for being a good enough furniture designer to be able to buy this laptop for Carrie as a just because gift. Like that's hot. Maybe I like Aiden now. Whoa. Um, also, where did that laptop go? Yeah, because she never used it again. I mean, it would have been, it's a very specific aesthetic. We will put it in the show notes. But it is so her. He is correct in the. God, I think we both like Aiden in this episode because. Well, it's like, bitch, you don't like this cute little handle on this. It is like a purse. Yeah, his instinct is correct that this would be a very carry laptop. Yeah, and she would see the ad for it in Vogue or whatever, and be like, "Oh, I would, I would like to have this." Do you have an answer for Aiden's rhetorical question, which is, so I have your keys, but how do I get in there? And he points at her heart. <laughs> and then he like throws the keys on the... <laughs> That's the other thing I was going to ask you. Do you think him throwing the keys down is warranted? It seems a little dramatic. It's pretty brinksmanship E. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he didn't throw them like at her. <laughs> well, then they shouldn't really be in a relationship if they're doing that. I mean, throwing the keys down is like really cliche. I would have been like Carrie being a writer. I would have maybe been a little upset about just like the schmaltziness of that. And is that in her weekly column? Like, does she get into the whole thing where it's like, then he, yes, we're having great sex and he made me the fajitas. And oh, by the way, my friend's mom died. Oh yeah, then my computer crashed. Then uh, he got me a new laptop. Then... Yeah, Aiden seems like a private person. Maybe she's using like a pseudonym or something. If Mr. Big is Mr. Big, is what's Aiden? You know what? She's not using pseudonyms. Remember, we learned that in the first Sex in the City film where they showed us weird like CGI pages oh, that's right. of, a chapter her, named Aiden. of her book. Yeah, exactly. Aiden had, a, had his own chapter. See, this is the behind the scenes stuff or in between series to film stuff I want, right? Which is, you know, when she had to get the release from Aiden to use his actual name in her book. Anyway, Samantha tries to get her orgasm back. Yeah, she's, like, using, like, a Hitachi on, like, the highest setting for an entire day, which I imagine is dark and ultimately painful. But she does have pants on, I think, or at least underwear, so there is some protection. But she still can't come. I do love the line that, because Charlotte calls her and she goes, I'm masturbating. I told you I'd be doing that all day today. Oh, fuck. One thing I wanted to mention. You know who Aiden reminds me of in this episode? Do tell. Your dad coming through (laughs) with the latest products. (laughs) One thing about Lauren's dad is that he is the person that wants the latest phone, the latest Apple thing. He's not fully on the level of like getting to the Apple store at one in the morning and waiting in line with the freaks, but he's like almost there. Oh, he would pay for (laughs) He'd pay whatever additional service needed to be paid to be like, you could just go to the front of the line and pick the thing up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But the benefit of his Apple addiction is the fact that our company is ultimately the recipient of all of his cast off stuff. It's very true. That is my father's love language, and we love you for that. Thanks, Andy. I love my phone and my laptop. This is a digression, but I was with him the other day when our podcast came out, and he was like, I haven't listened to it yet. And I was like, okay, we went to go pick up something. At the Apple store? Not the Apple store. (laughs) He's like, we're just going to stop off at the Grove for a second. I have to pick something up. He's like, I haven't listened to the podcast yet. I was like, don't worry about it. And like, he went to go put it on. I was like, don't put it on the car. And then he put AirPods in. I said, are you going to listen to my podcast with me in the car while listening to it on AirPods? Because then just put it on. (laughs) 
So then I had to sit in the car. No, you didn't. <laughs> and hear my father listen to the podcast, not laugh at the stuff we were saying. And he just turned to me and goes, that was really funny. <laughs> that would give me severe anxiety. Anyway, back to Samantha not being able to orgasm. What do you think the e-edit of this episode is in regards to Samantha? Is she just not in it? <laughs> is she just in it in the beginning and then you just see her crying at the end yeah, and people see, are like, what? <laughs> yeah, you see her getting the like a uh, thousand and one sex position flyer in the first seat and then she's just absent <laughs> until she starts crying in her, her cold shoulder top, which by the way is very racy for a funeral. And of course it's Thierry Mugler. If there's anyone out there that initially only saw Sex and the City through the E or TBS edited episodes can explain to us what that experience of watching this episode was like, we'd really appreciate that. Yeah. So Carrie is on the way to the funeral. She calls Aiden to apologize. This scene really made me realize we've long had a discussion that Carrie is a terrible sex columnist. And this scene made me realize that I don't think Carrie knows how to relationship either. (laughs) Because she's like, well, I can't let you in because what if you leave and then what am I supposed to do? It's like, isn't that just the gamble you take in relationships? Yeah, you do. There's a a significant degree of submission involved in allowing yourself to be in a relationship. You have to accept that the other person could fuck you over at any given time. I mean, Aiden should more have this feeling seeing that Carrie did cheat on him, not only emotionally, but physically. And now he's coming through with the finest electronics of 2001 and you're still treating him like garbage. Marry men whose love language is giving you expensive yet practical things. So what else? The funeral. The flowers are not great. (laughs) So yes, they go to the funeral. Samantha is in a dress that's not quite appropriate for a funeral. Well, Carrie's also giving a lot of cleavage, but at least she has some sort of shawl that's obscuring some of it. Uh, yeah, the dress is a black Mew Mew cotton dress. Who who could tell? It looks more Vivian Westwoody than anything else. Yeah. I don't like when Charlotte scolds Samantha for saying to Miranda that you look great. I think if everyone was giving you condolences, I think Samantha was in the right. I would love to hear I look great, especially when I obviously do not <laughs> look great. <laughs> totally. Well, I guess maybe she thought it wasn't like genuine or something. I do love the line. I think we know what $500 worth of glitter looks like. Referring to the floral arrangement that the girls have pulled their Manolo money together to create the centerpiece of Miranda's mother's funeral. Yeah, I guess a New York $500 flower arrangement, very different from a Philadelphia $500 flower arrangement. So the funeral happens. Miranda is distressed about the fact that she is attending the funeral as a single person and that her siblings are married. She's she's not d- distressed that because she's single. She's distressed because everyone else is bringing up the fact that she's single and you know, like feeling sorry for her and stuff like that. Yeah, don't don't mind that my mother died. <laughs> Please ask me how I'm an unmarried woman at 35. I am a partner at a law firm, if anyone She's cares. like, do you know how much money I make? <laughs> I have a full-time housekeeper who, <laughs> who I didn't give a key to for six months, which she reveals at the beginning of the Do you know how episode? much my shoes cost? I am wearing this shitty black dress by choice. <laughs> and to add to the indignity of Miranda, because the writers can't help themselves, the priest says that uh, Miranda is the wife of her own brother. Rude. Which again, I mean, they really, not only do they not show most of the main character's family, like I think we get what? We get 
Charlotte's brother, Wesley, and Miranda's sister. That's it. Yeah. Like, there's a father, I guess, you know, somewhere further down the pew is Miranda's father and brother. They want to show as... As little family as humanly possible. It's a little bizarre. But wait, I just realized Becky and Baker has red hair. So does Miranda. Yes, and as we've established in previous episodes, there is it is canon that Miranda says that she's a uh, a box redhead. So she was just jealous of her older sister all these years. Maybe that Irish Catholic uh, recessive gene. I guess I don't know. So Miranda looks back at Carrie the second time the priest is like, oh, and, you know, whatever Miranda's brother's name is, I can't remember, and his wife, Miranda, and she looks back at Carrie to be like, can you fucking believe this? And she catches the eye of Samantha, who is weeping, and she says, she mouths, I'm sorry. And my question for you is, is Samantha a sex addict? Because there is a very similar (laughs) moment of catharsis in the film Shame. (laughs) It's hard to say. I mean, I guess I believe sex addiction exists, but I don't know if everyone with a major libido is necessarily a sex addict. You know, I think it's a complicated issue. It's more like how self-destructive is your sex life? Because with in Samantha's case, her sex life has always been pretty positive. One exception being that time that she ditched Smith Jared to fuck Richard. And it did feel like a very like Michael Fassbender in shame type vibe. She's had a couple moments like that. I was also going to say the reveal in what was it? Season three that she never has had an AIDS test. (laughs) Okay. That was disturbing. I hope she's on prep now. So she had a minor interruption with her orgasms and now we're back on course. She's like me. She cries once every five years. And then she's back on track. She's like, I never need to show emotions again. It's okay. And then, yes, as they're being led away, Miranda finally starts breaking down and Carrie runs after her. One of the best Carrie moments, I would say, and holds her down the aisle. Yeah. To see Aiden and Steve who just show up. So cute. Because they are the guys that just show up for you, whether you ask them to be there or not. And they're not being intrusive or anything. You know, they're just showing their support for Miranda. Moanda? For Moanda. Um, Aiden does ask her earlier in the episode, when is the funeral? Because I would like to go and pay my respects. And I guess Carrie does not tell him. I guess she eventually tells him. Right. Yeah, all in all, it's a very powerful episode. It explores a lot of universal themes. I mean, obviously grief, particularly the way that people experience grief, which is so varied throughout the clip. Yeah, Charlotte is very uh, wasp-ish about it, for sure. That is like a weird like survival mechanism or something. Yeah, the show gets tagged a lot, not without reason for being very superficial, but there are very hard-hitting, almost... Our other favorite show, Six Feet Under. It's a very, if Six Feet Under was a Sex in the City episode, it would be this one. There should have been more crossover. Like um, Miranda's mom should have gone to Fisher and Son's funeral home to do this funeral. <laughs> Nate Fisher's on a conference. Samantha is fucking Nate Fisher in 1.5 seconds. Yeah. How is it that we ended up in the Sex in the City world when we're such Six Feet Under people? I don't know. Content for the Patreon, every outfit on Six Feet Under. So the the end scene might have the most deranged uh, Carrie column voiceover, which I wrote down, which is, 
So computers crash, people die, relationships fall apart. The best we can do is breathe and reboot. And when that fails, a little gizmo called a zip drive can provide <laughs> a surprising amount of comfort. So can a boyfriend, if you can let him. <laughs> is, Carrie do- <laughs> is Carrie doing spawn? <laughs> yeah, Carrie was doing a zip drive spawn back in the day. Could you imagine being Aiden reading this? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, guys, not her finest column. Yeah. I do wonder, did she have to, like, in the article, does she explain that it's late? Like, did she have to email or call her editor to be like, I'm sorry, I lost my computer. I'm sure it's a deleted scene where she's on the train to Philadelphia with a legal pad writing down the article. Like, she's Dorothy Parker. Also, I was like, okay, so she lost all of her columns. Like, what poor intern had to transcribe all of her columns from print when the book came out to go back and during her fight with Aiden she says when she's rejecting the uh, zip drive to begin with she goes I have a very fine system and it's like what is the system that they're just printed out already once you're done with them she has a folder on her desktop and it says my column and her columns are in that folder Look, that's on my to-do list when I have just an afternoon free is like my desktop is just filled with icons right now. That is Carrie to a T. There is no folder that says my columns. Absolutely not. Mm. But it wasn't a thing in the year 2000 to back up. Like I think about all of my essays... I lost like everything I've ever done in college. Also because my external hard drive, which I used to back up, got stolen in a robbery when I was in my 20s. Wait, but this is a slightly funny story. What was on the hard drives that maybe made people... It's not funny. I literally lost like every photo I ever took before... I guess what would have been my like early early to mid 20s. So I had interned at the PR department at Chanel and they have like Chanel all kinds of Chanel stickers you use to seal the tissue paper when you send samples to actresses and shit like that. So I had a bunch of these stickers that I covered my external hard drive with and then when my apartment was broken into they not only stole my computer but they stole my hard drive because it looked like it was some sort of Chanel hard drive. Yeah, something expensive. That's what I think is funny. Not <laughs> not my best friend's work work being stolen. I think about that when, you know, when you see on Nextdoor about Amazon packages being stolen, I think about like some of the dumb shit that I buy. Like that's the account I want is people who steal Amazon packages being disappointed at the shit that they open and they're like, "Oh, I think most of my Amazon orders are like used books and stuff." It's like enjoy like Elizabeth Taylor's diet book from the 1980s. I hope you get a lot out of it. Good luck flipping that. I was the one person selling that for like $8.99 on Amazon. <sighs> anyway, support independent booksellers. Don't buy used books on Amazon. That's my TED talk. Even though you just said that you buy. <laughs> I mean, anyway. I guess those are independent sellers on Amazon. Yeah, you're right. Um, look, it's a complicated issue. It is. But you know what's not complicated? How good the Sarah Jessica Parker wine was. Yeah, the beautiful finish on these wines. Yeah, this has been really, really lovely. And this discussion has just been further enhanced by these refreshing summer wines. And guys, as we previously stated, this is not sponsored content. (laughs) Yeah, we wish it was sponsored content. But we will provide you with a link to buy your own SJPX and Vivo wines in the show notes if you so choose. 
as well as the link to the <laughs> IMDb entry for the film Happiness. As well as the link for like whatever gay porn you've been watching lately. Is this why I'm single? <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening as always. We'll be back with a, a live. I mean, it's not live, but a, a news <laughs> episode next week. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Someone's currently on an influencer trip right now. I'm <laughs> fuck off. All right, guys. We love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Wait, I'm like, we love you. I'm like, I'm the audience. <laughs> I'm just speaking for the audience. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. I love you too. Bye.